Lord. And God, as we spend a little bit of time opening your word today, I pray that you would use it to shape and transform uh, the way that we think and, and transform our hearts, Lord, that you would do true spiritual surgery on us, God, that we would be uh, strengthened uh, by our time together today. I would just ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. Um, so uh, those of you that are, are guests of our church or haven't been here the last couple of weeks uh, because you're a skipper, um, just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, ooh, yeah. Uh, so we've been going through uh, the first couple of chapters in Luke, and we're sort of preparing for Christmas. And so if you are a, uh, a church uh, person, church-going person, or you grew up in the church, you may have heard this word Advent. And so Advent is a season, it's a four-week block uh, leading up to uh, Christmas, Christmas Eve. Uh, and the whole idea of Advent is, is the coming uh, or arrival of, of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ. And so uh, coming as a baby, you may have heard that story. If not, you'll hear it in the next couple weeks. Um, but it's really four weeks of prep- preparation as we prepare to uh, receive Jesus coming to this earth and celebrate that is four weeks of preparation. Week one uh, in church tradition is labeled as the week of hope. Uh, week two is, uh, is a week uh, that we uh, dub the week of being available. Are we available uh, for God? Uh, and then uh, this week is, is joy. Joy is our theme this week. And so as we prepare our hearts, uh, we're going to be analyzing this morning where our joy comes from. Uh, during the season, uh, because we have to have our joy stemming from the the right place uh, if we are uh, going to be prepared uh, for Jesus' arrival. We've sort of called this this series, instead of an Advent season, we've called it uh, the idea of uh, having a fair weather attitude towards things. Like uh, week one, we looked at uh, what does it look like to have a fair weather uh, attitude towards hope? and uh, that it's sh- changing and shifting. Uh, last week, we, w- we looked at the same idea with being available. Does that change and shift with, with me from day to day? Uh, and this week, the same question we'll be asking ourselves, we'll be having to do uh, with joy. Uh, Fairweather joy has a name, and I want to get that out there from the front um, of the message. Fairweather joy has a name, and its name is worldly happiness or worldly joy. Uh, there, there's clearly in Scripture... And and clearly in your life, you've obviously had moments of just elation and joy and happiness, and maybe it's a season. Uh, Maybe you live there all the time. If you had a wife like mine, I'm sure it would be like that. But um, but some of us, some of us, Molly laughed. I thought it was funny. Um, But the idea that there are there's definitely more than one uh, avenue or way to experience joy uh, and and happiness. Um, However. Uh, worldly happiness fades, and worldly happiness always has an expiration date. Um, it was interesting this week, so I was at the bobsled track uh, for a World Cup of Skeleton. Uh, most of the week I was there, um, and uh, my boss that I was serving with, his name was Daniel, and he was from Switzerland, and uh, at the end of the first day of training, and, and I have gospel conversations here and there at the track, and at the end of our training day, uh, we, uh, I was getting ready to leave, and I, I was shaking his hand, and you know, I can hardly understand anything he's saying, right? And so, uh, but I was shaking his hand as I was leaving, and, and he's, he, he speaks very broken English, and he, the, the words that came out of his mouth, is some of the first words I understood all week, I just sort of aimlessly wandered around, uh, were, I hear you're a pastor, and I'm like, oh, great. Uh, and so, um, so I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm a pastor, and he's like, sit down. And so, <laughs> and so uh, that began an hour to hour and a half conversation with Daniel about faith, and he just, he had all these different questions, and um, again, he's from Switzerland, and the phrase that stuck out from my conversation with him 
uh, was this. He said, we just don't need God in Switzerland. And he went on to explain, you know, World War I came and passed, and Switzerland was safe. World War II came and passed, and we were safe. And he, and he goes on to talk about uh, how there's zero homeless, homelessness unless people want to be homeless. Uh, he talked about that we have good health care. And, and his phrase at the end was, people just don't think uh, they need God. People just look at their lives and say, we don't need God for anything. We've got health care. We've got homes. We've got food on the table. And, and there's no reason. And, and I know that doesn't translate to America or our, our culture at all, right? Sarcastic moment. Sorry. Last, that was the last joke. Uh, but uh, however, I do think it really applies to this idea of worldly happiness. Right, like there's going to be a day where everybody in Switzerland and in America is going to stand before God and give an account, and the Bible says, for every idle word you've ever spoken. That means every word that you've spoken that doesn't either lift up the name of Jesus or lift up somebody else's spirits, you're going to give an account for every single word to Jesus Christ. When you stand before the Father in heaven, you're going to have to give an account for everything that you've done whether good or whether bad. And so although right now, people in Switzerland, uh, and, and maybe people in this room, maybe people in America, uh, I'm not sure about that, uh, maybe living for something that's actually not the real thing that their joy is supposed to be in, that is something that shifts. I'd use the word a counterfeit for the real thing. See, the Bible gives us one source, and this would be like the, if you're taking notes, you're going to star. Uh, the Bible gives us one source for joy, and it's found in God alone. The Bible gives us one source for true joy, and it's in God alone. It's in his character. It's in the way that he loves us. It's in uh, his grace for us. It's in his holiness. It, that's the only place that you will actually experience what the Bible would call full joy. Let me read two verses of Scripture, and they're both written uh, by David. Let me, let, me, let me read two verses of Scripture. Number one is Psalm 1611. Let me read this for you. Here, he's writing about God, and here's what David says. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. He's writing this about God. And then uh, Psalm 43, 4, here's what he writes. Uh, he calls God his exceeding joy. So David looked at everything that he had. He, he's the king. He's got women fawning over him. He's got gold that you can't even imagine. Uh, he's winning battle after battle after battle in his life on and off. And you look at all the success and everything that he's got. And when he stops and he thinks about it, he says, no, 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 no. My joy is in you alone. My joy, my exceeding joy, my full joy, the real joy that God designed you for is in God alone and nothing else. Somebody say amen. Just, just say amen. All right, there, that, was, that was good. Get better at it, all right? Um, but David could add anything. And here's one of my, I, I share these on and off. One of my fears as a pastor is that you would settle for a rip-off brand of joy and you would consider that good enough. Uh, one of my fears is that you will, you will find some form of happiness or some form of elation or some form of, of blessing, and it wouldn't be God, and you would say, that's good enough for me. Uh, switching gears a little bit, but not really. How, how many of you are, are, are addicted to chips? A anybody here just a chip junkie? What, 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 is, the, what is your go-to, like if you had a chance, if you had an opportunity? Doritos? 
Doritos. Doritos. I've got Doritos. I've got Doritos. All right. But so I got visual aids. Yeah, they look. They're all on the worship band. They all saw it. But, but here's what joy is like in our lives. You see, we've got the great value brand chips. And if you're like my family, I grew up, my, my family didn't have a ton growing up. But there were two times a year, I guess, yeah, there were two times a year that we would experience real Doritos chips. Two times a year. Uh, the, the first one was on any holiday. So that's sort of, I realize that's you know, a couple of blips on the radar screen. But on holidays, my parents would splurge, and we would have name brand chips. It, it was phenomenal. I mean, you go from eating, you know, like these stale. I mean, I mean they're just, they're good. You know, like all your life, I'm just going to eat right in front of you. I'm going to make you all jealous. But I mean, you go from eating, and the great value are one of the better cheap brands, right? I mean, we could go all these brands, but I didn't. I didn't want to suffer. And so, because you go eating this, and you eat enough of them, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, these are all right. You eat worldly joy long enough, like, oh, it's all right. I like licking my fingers at the end of the day. It's good. But if you've ever tried... Party size, right? We can know, right? Party size. These are coming to the baptism service, if you're wondering. But you try a real name brand. They're thicker. They're cheesier. I just want to walk home in the snowstorm, eating chips, and just watch the Packers beat the Bears at 1 o'clock today. But my, but my, yeah, I've got a few disciples here. But my fear is that we would eat the bag on the left and we would say, that's enough for me. I've got the churchy thing going. I've got a lot of friends and they're, and they're kind of churchy people. They're, they're better people than I used to hang out with. And it's okay. But that you would never act, and I apologize for spitting, I'm going to spit chips the whole time now but that you have never tasted a joy that comes only from knowing Christ, that you've never sat in the spot of David who says, no, 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 that's full joy. No, 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 that's an exceeding joy. I can't get that anywhere else. That's my fear as a pastor. This morning we're going to look at Mary's story. So Mary's getting a little bit further along here. Uh, she just got the announcement last week. And so we're going to read in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 55, and we're going to be able to pull out all these different truths, there's four, uh, different truths about joy in Mary's story that I hope will prepare you to desire the chip bag on the right, well, my right stage, right, um, and, uh, and not the other one. So Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 39 through 55, and this is, if you're, uh, if you're a churchy person, you may have heard of the word uh, the Magnificat, and so that is uh, this song, uh, this prayer, this poem, this hymn uh, that Mary's going to write in celebration of God. And in those verses, just in the few verses between verse 46 and 56, so 10 verses, she packs 21 Old Testament references to Scripture within 10 verses. So 21 verses of the Old Testament packed into 10 verses in the New Testament. Let's read Luke chapter 1, verse 39 through 55, and then we're going to break it down as we go. 
in those days, Mary arose and went with, and if you need a Bible, they're in the seat in front of you or under you um, or just steal one from your neighbor. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to a town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. If you have a Bible or a pew Bible, underline that. The baby leapt in her womb, all right? And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came into my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Underline that, leapt for joy. Or leap for joy. Leap, leap, whatever. Uh, verse 45. And blessed is she who is believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices. Underline that. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And the verse before that, my soul magnifies the Lord. So 46, 47. Underline those. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold... Now, uh, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring forever. And Mary remained uh, with her about three months and returned to her home. Whew, that was a mouthful. All right, so we are just going to go boom, boom, boom. I'm just going to give you four, uh, four quick points um, about joy that we can uh, that we can fully experience and get a picture of this fullness of joy. So number one, if you're a note taker, number one, the presence of Jesus brings joy. The presence of Jesus brings joy. I'm going to reread 39 through 45. In those days, Mary rose uh, with haste and went to the hill country to the town of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And then you go down further, and she gives an account. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came into my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Now, there's many things out there that can make a baby leap in the belly. If you've ever been pregnant or your wife has ever been pregnant, you realize that there are moments where a baby just decides, I'm going to punch mom in the stomach or in different areas. Uh, and there's lots of different reasons why this could have happened. Caffeine, spicy food. Uh, for Micah, it was when I would stoke the wood stove and then we'd sit on the couch talking and all of a sudden we'd be sitting there talking and the wood stove would be getting hotter and hotter. And all of a sudden Micah's like, do you forget about me? And he would literally, there would be a full fist going out about three feet out of Molly's belly and, the, belly and then she'd come back. Or he'd get his face just jammed up, you know, like he was like, no, 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 I'm leaping, but it's the fire causing it. In this scene, you know, and then, <laughs> and then we have a dog who's kind of like little Richard. If our heater gets over 200 degrees, he's like, I can't go on. I can't go on. And he just lays down in front of the heater, you know, like totally different responses uh, to them. But this baby, John the Baptist, is in Elizabeth's belly. And when she gets even close to Mary pregnant with Jesus, John's like, yes, that's the one. 
There is joy in the presence of God. Jesus truly changes everything. I mean, think about Jesus' disciples. They walk with Jesus for a couple years, and then Jesus is nailed to a cross. So they have gotten used to the good stuff. They've gotten used to the presence of Jesus, his provision for them, his miracle-working power, his healing power. Uh, they've, they've, they've heard his edifying words. They've been challenged by him. They've, they've been in the, in the presence of the ministry of Jesus, and they're so used to eating these. And then Jesus dies on a cross, and they go into a three-day depression. Let me read this, this uh, verse of Scripture, John chapter 20, verse 19. Here's what it says. So Jesus is in the tomb at this point. Here's what it says. On the, or Jesus is just, just risen, but they don't know it yet. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. When they were in the presence of joy or of Jesus, they were filled with this joy that was unexplainable. They just knew there was a contentment in their soul. And then Jesus goes away, and, and where they found huddling together, and they've locked out everybody because they didn't want to go to the cross too. When Jesus was gone, there was fear, there was anxiety, but when Jesus' presence is there, there is joy. They begin to rejoice. And then you flip over the page, and, 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 you, and you go to Acts, and all of a sudden you read that Peter's standing up, and he's boldly proclaiming and preaching. What was the difference? The presence of Jesus. Because when Jesus rose and then went to heaven, he left his presence here. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's called the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Lord is in you and is promised to never leave you. For the believer, you know what this is like. God's presence is, is a matter of a prayer way. God's presence is a matter of reminding, that, reminding yourself that he is in you. Right? It never changes. There's no excuse for joylessness to ever describe you. Right? Uh, curmudgeons need not apply. Right? It's just it's not a part of who we are as believers because he's so transformed us. Psalm 45.7 is a prophecy about Jesus, and here's what it says. Psalm 45.7, that Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness or joy, depending on which version you have. So while Jesus was here on earth, he was anointed with this oil. He, he had this presence that when people were with him, they were just absolutely filled with joy. And when Jesus left, he dribbled that oil on you and I. We now are the fulfillment of that. We all have the oil of joy on us, on our lives. This mark of Jesus is in us. Through grace, no doubt, but we've received it. Through the Holy Spirit, we are heirs and receive the same exact anointing that Jesus had. Uh, I'd say the first part of that one, or subpoint of that one, was that the presence of the Lord is in you. The second one is that sitting in the presence of Jesus is a totally separate thing. And it's another way to experience that presence. So believer, my question for you is, do you long for it? Do you pattern your life around the presence of God, about getting quiet, getting alone, being in the presence of God? I don't know why this is doing that. I apologize. But is there a pattern in your life of sitting in the presence of Jesus, 
of I've got 10 minutes this morning while I sip my coffee, and I'm, am I going to invite Jesus into my coffee drinking time? Am I going to invite Jesus into my time before I go to bed? I'm worn out, can open my Bible, I can read. Am I going to invite Jesus in? And it's fighting for that presence of Jesus. I hate to say this. It takes effort. It, the, the theological truth that the presence is in you, absolutely true. But you got to want it. you got to long for it. you got to request his leading in your life. Bumps on a log also need not apply. Number two, full joy requires an emptying of ourselves. Let's keep reading about Mary here in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. So Elizabeth sees Mary. Elizabeth is now, uh, the Holy Spirit kind of takes it, it grips her. And she says these couple verses that are just great about who am I that my Lord would come and visit me? And, and Mary, you're so great. You're so wonderful. And Mary immediately deflects it back to the Lord. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. Little old me is going to make his name great. I want to be used to, as a magnifying glass to show the world how great that God is. I mean, if Mary was around now, if there's a woman walking on earth that knew that she was carrying God in her belly, she would have tweeted some amazing tweets, like, I'm having God's baby, right? Like, you would see some amazing, she'd be bragging about it on Facebook every day. She'd probably come with a number one uh, hit song about how she's carrying God's baby, and we'd just be like, oh, you know, you can have your own show on Disney Channel, and this is great. And she'd be celebrating, and it'd be all about her. And not Mary. Not Mary. She completely empties herself. And right after Elizabeth says, blessed is Mary among women, Mary turns all eyes to the Lord and said, no, no, no. My job is to magnify him. That he's chosen. What did I do? This life isn't about you. We need to continually remind ourselves to get over ourselves. She's acknowledging that she's not the star and is able to experience true joy. It's not about her. Many of our problems come because we want to be on center stage. Number three, that was the fun one, right? Uh, number three, full joy comes when we grasp that God is judge, a just judge, and also our Savior. Full joy, that fullness of joy that David understood and talked about, comes when we grasp that God is judge and also Savior. Verse 47, here's what Mary says. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary grew up knowing the scriptures. Mary grew up uh, longing for the Savior to come. She heard about it. She heard that there was going to be a Messiah. And then she's invited to participate in the Messiah being born on this earth. And she says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This means uh, when she says, my spirit rejoices, this isn't the Holy Spirit. This is with every fiber of her being. That's what, that's what that means. With, with every, every piece of her heart, she just wants Him. With everything, I just want to rejoice in God, my Savior. Every part of me. 
God could have stayed a righteous judge, but in love, He purposed to save you. If you have a Bible, turn a few books uh, towards the back. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Hopefully this will give us all a little lesson in a big word that we probably don't use on a daily basis, but is very important. Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 23. This will be a a famous verse, but then we'll keep going. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, That just simply means that none of us is good enough to earn heaven. It it is unattainable goal that you can claw your way to heaven. We just can't do that. Verse 24. And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus... Here's where we pay attention. Whom God put forward as the propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. What the heck does that mean? This is a word that we bring up probably every quarter because it's such an important and deep understanding of this word. This this word propitiation, it's, it's imperative that we understand it because it shows us the blend between God being a righteous judge and also God being our Savior. And Mary understood it and she participated in it. Propitiation, two-part definition. Number one, or A, uh, God's wrath was fully appeased when Jesus died. You see, uh, Jesus absorbed the full weight of God's judgment on us. You and I, because of our sin, deserve God's judgment. Deserve to go in the courtroom of God and hear Him slam His gavel down and say, guilty, 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 all of us. But then when we read Paul's words... He says, uh, Jesus, whom God put forward as the propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. So that first part, you deserve judgment. God is a righteous judge. But his wrath was fully appeased. Jesus paid the entire fine for you and for I. And B, we now, uh, he now is freely justified to pour out favor on you. He, he can now cheer for you. Because of what Jesus did, not only did, was he a righteous judge, and then Jesus paid the fine, but that, the second part of that is that not only did that happen, but now because that happened, and by faith you said yes to Jesus, now he can fully pour out his blessing on your life. That's amazing. I'm the only one excited about it, but that's an amazing truth. And it's all in one little word. Day after day, we need to remind ourselves of this. Uh, are not only judge uh, and the only one able to sentence us, paid our fine, but he adopted us, and now he is for you and cheering you on. That's incredible. That should lead you to a spot of joy, not falling asleep during the sermon, right? That should be like, yes, that's amazing. And then the final point. Full joy is grace contingent. This fullness of joy that David writes about is grace contingent. If you, if you ever read through Psalms and you look at the grace of God uh, throughout Psalms, I mean, I mean just in the uh, Magnificat here, uh, Mary uh, goes over and over and talks about grace and favor and mercy. Uh, he has done great things. His arm, not mine, he exalted the humble. Uh, and mercy is mentioned over and over in the Magnificat. Mary knew in her heart that she couldn't be involved in this miracle 
unless it was God's grace that overshadowed her. Uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite Christmas memories. Um, when I was younger, my, my dad decided to go back to school. And so uh, for two years, we lived on my mom's minimum wage salary. It was awesome. Uh, it, it was neat to see the provision of God looking back on it during ate a lot of, uh, a lot of mac and cheese and peanut butter and jelly, so, and usually not jelly. Um, but my dad went back to school, and we were getting close to the holidays, and we just kind of knew as a family it was going to be a pretty crappy Christmas. I mean, sorry to use the word crappy in church, but it was just going to be a pretty rough Christmas. We just knew there wasn't going to be a lot of things under the Christmas tree. And all of a sudden, this, this big fat man in a red suit with a hat and a huge bag over his shoulder comes, I know you're like, Santa at church, I know, but comes walking on our porch, and it was my mom's boss, and he brings this humongous stack of toys all wrapped up and just dumps them by the Christmas tree and then gives us hugs, and, and I think he handed my mom some cash and just walked out and said he heard that we weren't going to have Christmas, and he wanted to provide for our family. That is unearned. Uh, Here's what the theologian, Mersbaugh Wolf, okay, Mersbaugh Wolf, here's what, he say, here's what he has to say. Getting a paycheck at the end of the week doesn't bring joy because you earned it, right? Like when you get a paycheck, you may feel a little bit good, but, but you, you worked for that. But a bonus out of the blue from your company brings joy. That's what Christ did for us. That's why we can have unwavering joy regardless of circumstances, because you did nothing to earn it. Jesus snuck in and left you a present, and it's his presence. Uh, Jesus left his grace smeared all over your life. It's your job to take hold of that grace and say yes, and by faith to say yes to Jesus. I want to I begin to follow this Jesus. I mean, imagine how much joy would overflow when you realize on a heart level how deeply and madly in love with you the Father is that you stood separated from him because of your sin and he sent his son to die in your place. And it pleased him to slaughter his son because he purchased and won your heart. That's grace. And unless you start there, that you are helpless and hopeless to get to heaven on your own works, and yet God in his love and grace showered it on you by sending Jesus to the cross, you will never understand Dorito-style chips. You'll be eating this great value, and you'll think, I'm experiencing joy. I'm experiencing joy. It's not the real thing. It's a counterfeit. It's got to come from the throne of Jesus Christ. So which bag do you eat from? Which bag do you eat from? Is it that you are a person who engages with God regularly? That you are a person that by faith have trusted Jesus and you are regularly gleaning on name brand chips and it's wonderful. And that's where your joy is in. It's not, uh, you, you don't look out and see bad weather and think, I'm going to stay inside. Uh, your joy is just going to hide here and there when you're in certain circumstances. But your joy is wrapped up in your staring and, and enjoying and partaking of Jesus. Or is it a ripoff brand? And you're like, you know what? This is good enough. I'm, I'm good enough. Because both of those will lead you wanting more and more and more, but only one of them 
will eternally fill you. The other one will leave you separated from God for eternity. John 1.12 says that if you desire to engage with Jesus for the first time, that it's as easy as two things. Here's what John 1.12 says, that if you believe and receive Jesus, that's how you start eating from the right bag of joy. So believe just means I've heard the gospel. I heard that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. The Savior is Jesus, and I've trusted in Him. That's believing. And that last one, that trust, is just receiving. You're receiving a free gift that God's holding out. He, he's holding out His Son, and it is good. And He's saying, eat the real, real stuff. Eat the real stuff. Have you partaken? Have you partaken? Worship band's going to make their way up, and we're going to have our time of invitation to worship. And so if you all stand, we'll sing one last song, and then we'll head out to the Pillis family to celebrate baptism. And... But if there's something on your heart that you need prayer for, we'll have some prayer counselors up front. We'd love to pray with you um, and encourage you in that way. Let's, let's pray into worship as J Jacob begins to pluck away. God, thank you so much for... An... Thank you.